Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to episode 54 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Nugabauer, coming to you live to air from sunny, yet pretty warm, but actually sunny suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada, here on this uh, February 24th, 2020. Uh, it's the Monday after uh, the last Sunday uh, before Lent, if you're counting, different names for that Sunday, but we don't need to go into that now, because what we are going to go into, well, I don't have R2 here, but I do have uh, my Locutus mug, research my mom's Locutus mug, my Picard as a Romulan uh, action figure, and one of my few models of the Enterprise sitting here, because, as promised, going to go into my mid-season review of Picard. Uh, it is, you know, if you're in Canada, you can watch it on uh, CTV Sci-Fi. Uh, if you're in the U.S., and I believe on Crave and Rogers and all that. If you're in the U.S. Uh, or elsewhere, uh, I think, yeah, Crave, different places. Wherever you get your, wherever you get your trek is where it is. Uh, this, this review will be kind of spoilery. Um, I'll try and limit it for the first bit, but... Uh, yeah, I, then I'll go into spoilers, but the first, uh, my first thoughts, so the first little thing, I like to start with the critique and then go into the positive. Um, the, my first concern with this show, it just feels like it's moving too slowly, and I had to realize what that was, and you know, it feels like every episode just adds a teensy bit to the show, to the, uh, to the puzzle, to, uh, what's actually happening, and what, what that is, is because we've expected, uh, in storytelling recently, things to have moved on a lot faster now, um, especially when we're used to serial storytelling, which is, uh, just everything in continuity, everything, something happens every episode, that keeps you wanting to come back. And it's not like things don't happen in every episode. It's just that the it feels like what happens isn't as significant to the larger story than we're used to. So again, this will get into a more positive just reflection of it. What um what I realized when I've been watching uh what's it called, the Captain's Red Room, that's it, Ready Room with uh, Will Wheaton, and every, you know, and, and they, that's a really in-depth, great show too, if you're watching the show, and you're watching, uh, if you're watching Picard, also watch that, it's on Instagram, or not, the, the Instagram TV video thing that they do on the CBS Star Trek thing, anyway, um, what, we, they talk about there in, in, in the most recent one is how this show is, or is it that, or maybe being the, the Screen Crush, uh, sorry, definitely watch Ready Room, but also the Screen Crush, uh, there's, their Easter egg videos are always really great too. And I mentioned that it's, it's a serial, it is serial storytelling, but it, it's more of a detective little pieces being added every episode. And, and that's just that it's a different style, different genre than we're used to. What I'm wondering is if it's 
if that and the Mandalorian, interesting enough, there are parallels there. Uh, if the um, if it's some sort of hybrid between to the very episodic storytelling of the '90s and and before, and the the very uh, intimately connected storytelling of the 2000s, like Battlestar, like uh, well, I mean all the all the streaming shows we have now, right? And what's interesting, this isn't a streaming show. It's a uh, it's an it's it's a week by week, and I do wonder if uh, if services if channels are actually going back to that. Quite frankly, again with the Mandalorian, with Clone Wars, um, well, Clone Wars is going to be more connected because that's always with arcs. But with Picard and Mandalorian, it is this this hybrid of it is one story overall but each episode is a little more self-contained than what we're used to more recently which is interesting because uh i mean i was gonna say ds9 is what pioneered this whole idea of serial storytelling that you can actually have i think they did a three episode arc and and that was revolutionary and i think even four episode arcs and then, and then of course the dominion war just was <laughs> this long continuous thing at the end there so it's uh yeah I, i'm enjoying it i i again I, I thought there would be more resolution i'm intrigued by the moral complexity of the show and um the just where you know where it sits again in terms of the history of television is it the optimism of the 90s and earlier? Is it the cynicism of the 2000s? Um, that I, yeah, and, 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 that, and I was hoping would be a full return to that optimism of the 90s, but I'm glad to be wrong. I think it's actually better and more, more compelling that it's something new and something in between. <laughs> and I'll get to that in, in the spoilery part of it. So overall, definitely going to keep watching. It ha definitely gets the nostalgia juices flowing. But again, also, it's something new and different <laughs> that I wasn't expecting. So, so that's fun. Um, so yeah, that, that was my non-spoiler review. Is, uh, Or sorry, yeah, that was my non-spoiler portion of the review. Namely, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's moving slower than I thought. But... Uh, I'm intrigued by what happens next. Okay. Swig of the Picard coffee here. Clank. Swig of the water here. Clank. So, getting to the spoilers. So, the thing I was referring to is in, if this were done maybe 10 years ago, they would have set up you know, so it was, is it Dodge trying to keep them straight in my head? Yeah, Dodge is the one who's uh, was on Earth. And uh, they would have set her up. Yes, she might have died in the first episode and all that, as happened. But by the second or third episodes, we would have gotten, more likely have gotten to, Picard would have more likely gotten to the cube already. And 
That's because it would have been more like the the three act structure of a film. Not the first two or three episodes. Bowser Galactic is a great example for this of how they had the first few episodes, and we knew this would be they were, this was the era of longer seasons too. Were just setting up the whole scenario of the show, right? Of the Cylons attacking it. <laughs> there are definitely parallels uh, with Battlestar that are going on, but in terms of the structure, and they also released it on one weekend this miniseries and that would have been maybe the first three episodes and then the bulk of the story we were expect i was expecting picard and sochi to be actually doing something and we would have uh, <laughs> known all the secrets already kind of you know and that and that's what's just a little off feeling about this show is yeah, expecting we're we're conditioned now to have that sort of, um, you know, we, whatever the mystery is, we do, still don't know halfway through what Soji's real mission is on on the cube. We just got a hint of it last night with or on Thursday night with Maddox saying I sent her to find out who's behind this conspiracy, the Federation and the Romulans and who else, whoever else. Um, I think we would have had a little more about that. So that's that's the challenge then is, okay, so you know, the first episode we're, we're given, we're certainly set up the whole scenario. And that's what I definitely loved about the first episode, especially. That one did its job fantastically of setting up where we are, when we are, right, with Picard being... On his, on his vineyard for the last 19 years, or it's the last 16-ish years. Remember, no, it's, it's less than that, but last number of, last while. <laughs> and uh, we know about this attack on Mars, and then, of course, the ban on, on synthetics. And, of course, with uh, Dodge and Sochi being... Part having data's quote DNA, part because of Maddox and suing in them. So that did a great job in terms, of, especially also in terms of the political situation. And this is actually what I found the most fascinating part of the show. I, I would right, and this is what I meant in terms of. Uh, I guess I'm jumping around a bit, but what I meant in terms of is this a hybrid of 90s and earlier and then 2000s and 2010s it's now 2020 we're in a new decade let's do a new thing i mean both in the structure of this piece by piece unfolding detective type show in which there are somewhat self-contained episodes right so again uh the first episode sets things up and then we get uh, the the screen crush uh, video looks at the 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 card game that that Romulan Borgified Romulan is playing, and she uh, is, is gradually revealing each card. You know, it's going to take this patience, but 
so the, the the each card is sort of the the, the older nineties earlier structure. The overall picture, it's gonna feel. I, I I'm trusting them actually, and I can trust them. It's gonna feel like some coherent whole. Uh, so that's part of what I mean. A bigger part of what I mean relates to a. Uh, an article I wrote on Exastri Sapientia. And I, I may have mentioned this here before, but the 90s and earlier, and just Star Trek, I mean, specifically Star Trek, was all about optimism. It was all about we're going to depict morally good characters. And we're going to they're actually going to be, and this is the thing, they're going to be representatives of the large institution. That's the, that was Roddenberry's optimism, was that the Federation would actually be the great agents of hope and progress and uh, community <laughs> and interconnectedness and peace and uh, collaboration, cooperation, science, advancements advances we wouldn't have money we wouldn't have greed we wouldn't have fear the federation was this utopia for roddenberry and so the morally good characters would be the agents of this society right at least there would be even ostensibly their military quote-unquote but it was mainly for defense and especially for exploration that Worked especially in Kennedy era, uh, Clinton to some extent, I mean, the next generation. Well, next generation, yeah, I guess it was kind of Reagan, Carter, and then Bush. So, and I'm bringing that up because there was still, you know, th this hope that America could be this beacon of liberty and, and, uh, yeah, be liberty and freedom and progress throughout the world, right? Then, of course, came the 2000s and Ron Moore seeing how even in DS9 was starting to turn away from this idea. And he and Voyager is off in the Delta Quadrant and they're still upholding these ideals. And Ron Moore wants to have none of it, right? He wants to write a the gritty realist realist pessimist vision of large institutions and of people generally so he sets out to write a show where we think there's these protagonists called human humans and they get attacked by these antagonists called cylons but halfway through the show we see they're actually kind of in this morally gray area everybody's in this morally gray area the government's destroyed. Um, those agents of the government, both political and military, they're out for their own interests and kind of doing what they think is best to keep everyone alive. But they're just trying to survive, really. It, it was a very stark, dark world. And it was needed for that time because we had upheld these visions and these idea is that the agents of the institution were going to save us and then 
they don't. <laughs> they don't protect us from 9-11. They march us into war. We can't have faith in in those institutions anymore, and that was the point, and that culminates in in a show like uh, House of Cards, right, which is a direct repudiation of West Wing, just the president was this basically the saint in West Wing, and in, in House of Cards he's he's a devil in a, in a lot of ways. He's it, it's all about the game and who no matter. Doesn't matter how who dies and gets hurt. Uh, so that was that era of storytelling, and what I wondered with Mandalorian, with Baby Yoda, with Picard coming back, were we actually going to go back to? Oh, the agents of the institution could actually be good, um, and the answer is well. When it comes to the New Republic in Mandalorian, they're just off to the side. We don't know too much what they're doing. We're probably going to get stories in which they are protagonists. Fair enough. In Picard, the Federation is just like every other government, really. <laughs> as far as we know so far, right? They're, uh, you know, after the the Mars attack, which is supposed to be like 9-11, and we're, you know, in, in this somewhat recent-ish past, um, you know, they they bunker down and they say we can't be. Too many people start to be afraid and worried about. Are we overstretched trying to help everybody? They bunker down. They back off. They. Uh, they end Picard's mission to relocate. Uh, Romulan refugees and, and find a better place, right? Picard is still the morally good agent of the institution there, but the institution itself lets him down. So what we could have done there and what Picard could have done there as a show is being about how morally corrupt the Federation is too. But it isn't that either. And that's what's interesting is uh, Picard He's maybe a little naive at this point, but uh, he still is the morally good agent. He's still upholding his ideals, even if some of the characters he encounters are are in the gray. But you actually are sensitive to where they're at, right? We see how Rafi re reacted to the institution letting her down. She falls off the deep end a little bit there, and. Um, but even this last episode, we see her trying to reconnect with her son and how she's come clean and is actually stepping forward. And now she's in a place where she, now she's back on with Picard and trying to uh, save or whatever it is we're trying to do. They're trying to do with with Sochi and, and save her from being killed by the Jat Vash and uh, whatnot. We, again, we don't know what her mission is. Um, we have uh, what's his name the the Coat Malat kid, <laughs> the Australian kid. I'm buying it. the the Elvish guy and Elnor Elnor. That's his name. Sorry, it's I've only seen these episodes maybe once or twice, so I'm trying to get the details right. We have Elnor. Uh, he's also a little naive too, and 
easily using violence, but it's also a last resort for him. That's another interesting point there. Um, Rios, again, out for his own stuff, has this weird thing with EMHs and the ENH and whatever. Uh, but I think what we're going to see is actually him reconnecting not with him and Rafi, not reconnecting not with saying we're going to be loyal to Starfleet and the Federation again, but they'll see Picard upholding the ideals that were ingrained in them. And they're actually going to maybe reconnect with those ideals again. And that's going to be the reformation there. Seven, we don't know how much we're going to see of her anymore, but this last episode was really, I mean, in a way, I wonder if she's the stand-in for uh, for that darker, grittier storytelling of the last few decades of the institution has failed me. Oh, even then, no, I'm rethinking this. This is, even then, she doesn't say the institution has failed. I'm going to go and uh, see, look out for myself, me and mine. Uh, it doesn't matter anymore. Morality itself has failed. And that's not what she does. Even if she could have been after being so harmed and traumatized by what happened to each other. And, and just the way, all the, the, the violence she's been a part of. She still at least believes she's doing it. For the sake of upholding the vulnerable and protecting them. And she's trying at least to have a moral compass. Even if it is slightly skewed and, and somewhat flawed. And certainly, especially because it isn't in line with what sorry, the institution is doing. Um, I got a bit of a sniffles there for a second. Um, Seven. She's no speaker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, you know, if seven seeing seven again makes you cry, hey, that's great. I'll do you do you do you. Um, but even then, that's that's the funny thing is is just because the institutions can't uphold those ideals, the story is still focusing on morally good characters, and that that's the most fascinating thing is hasn't given up hope in the possibility of people being good. And it denies this assumption that just because institutions are going to be self-serving doesn't mean people have to inherently be self-serving. So that's the lesson. That's the, the, the thought that that's come to me is maybe, and that's the, maybe that's the third wave of storytelling, right? Uh, you know that's the uh, what I had a, at a prof uh, in, in under, well, not undergrad a prof at, at Wycliffe in seminary who talked about postmodern worldviews and maybe that's he, he mentioned the post-critical second naivete and I, I forget where he got it from I should look it up but what that means is uh, it's post-critical, namely, it's gone through the critical era of 
ideals and institutions not being able to uphold, not being able to be true to who they are and what they've set out to do. But I think in that context, it means that traditions and communities themselves, even if they're part of the institution, can still actually come out the other side and, and be, it's the second naivete, and the naivete not in a negative pejorative sense, but in the sense of, okay, let's still be hopeful here. Despite all the bad stuff that's happened, despite the way we've been let down and we've let ourselves down. Um, that clarity about being let down there gives them a realism with which to more uh, more prudently seek the good. It's it's Jesus saying, wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Right? You can still be you can still be an innocent dove and, and make your way and be alright. <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's the the thing that this show is grappling with. It's I think Mandalorian is grappling with to some extent. Um, no, no, big to a big extent, and so that may be the third, this third wave of storytelling, right? And I and I mentioned this. It needs Star Trek, especially, needs to be aspirational in some sort, right? It it also needs to connect with the the times and the era, uh, but it also needs, to, but it does need to look beyond them and say. Okay, what? Where are we? What is the reality of the world we're in now? Um, and where can we go to be a better humanity? And and that you know, I, and I I can't help but see all this as just like I saw Battlestar and all that was a, was a somewhat of a response to Bush. This is a response to Trump, and I, I think Discovery season two. Shows us too. I mean, Captain Pike, he is an agent of the institution and he's morally good and the institution's behind him. This is a couple centuries later. Um, the thing with Trump is he's both the failure of the institution and per, a failure of personal morality and seeing the connection between the two, right? That just like, just like here, I'm going, going to the Bible here. Just like the kings of Israel and Judah, there there is a sense that their personal morality had this effect on the well-being of the nation. Because why are you there in the first place? What do you care about in the first place? And how does that affect uh, your your role in society? And so there's even a hope then with Picard, with the character of Picard, that if he continues to uphold these ideals, if he maybe has a good death, even, is he going to be able to re restore society? Is he able to restore the rule of law, but even the Federation to its ideals and to its uh, mission to explore new life and new civilizations. So all that being said, where do I think this might be going? And 
uh, again, going back to the, the Ready Room, that first Ready Room episode was a really great in-depth interview uh, with one of the writers or showrunners. I can't remember. Anyway, what he said something very interesting in that uh, all of our assumptions about motivations uh, need to be held lightly. He said something to that effect. We're halfway through. We don't fully know what what Dodge and Soji's missions were. We don't know for sure. And this is the funny thing. We don't know for sure who is actually upright and who is actually being sinister. It is very possible, except for except for Picard and the main characters, I think, are are us journeying, trying to be our best. But in terms of the big players, you know, it is entirely possible that that the Federation and the Romulans have seen something about what Maddox is doing and that Maddox was the one who was actually being very sinister. And something about you know, we're led to be sympathetic to the synthetics who were somehow responsible for well, synthetics who were some sort of co-opted somehow in uh, attacking Mars and the band, especially those who were victims of the band, right, with, with Maddox and Gerardi. But this last moment of uh, the latest episode where Gerardi, who... You know, she's a woman of science. She, you know, can be, um, well, no, she's, she's as human as anyone else. So she can be manipulated, it's true. But to actually murder the person you love, there's got to be some, uh, some overriding reason, compelling reasons for her to actually go through with that. What if, what if the, uh, that Romulan, Borgrified Romulan is right and that Soji and Dodge are actually the destroyers? What if there's some connection to the supernova and, uh, they're just, maybe I'm speculating even more here, some connection to the supernova and Maddox and Soji and Dodge are somehow responsible for that? Is there a way of even correcting that through time travel and therefore uh, i know i'm getting a bit off the beaten path here but therefore the whole i mean that that was the impetus of course for the whole uh kelvin timeline that we kind of need to close that loop there somehow uh, yeah i don't know about that but what i what i'm wondering is we're only halfway through could there be this big twist of actually Playing on our suspicions of larger institutions when really maybe they're actually we're doing what was right. What we do know is Picard going, you know, I mean, saying what he said just wasn't very smart on air, isn't very smart to <laughs> lambast uh, you know, the, the horse that fed him or the, the hen that fed him. Um, and then to go into Starfleet and, and actually ask for a ship and a command and all that. That was, he was right. That was pretty arrogant. Or she, the Admiral's right. That was pretty arrogant. Um, 
No, I don't think they're going to try and legitimate or excuse everything that happened around pulling back from the Romulan refugee resettlement efforts. But this whole thing with synths and with Sochi and Dodge and everything, what this secret with the Jat Vash are carrying, that might actually flip things around. A bit more water. <coughs> so we'll see. Uh, it might actually, who knows, in terms of the thing I was saying before about pace and structure, it might just pick up from here. They finally know where where Sochi is. You know, she's on the uh, on the queue. And, uh, yeah, it, this might actually, we'll see. I mean, the, the little teaser at, in, in Ready Room this week didn't actually show us anything substantive, thankfully. <laughs> but it was still intriguing. Uh, something about uh, Soji having a memory of, as a child. And, no, she knows, we know that she was made three years ago. So, again, the pace might pick up. And things might start to be revealed and I'm hoping that's the thing I'm hoping to be blown away by how this ends because I mean the writing is fairly great the they've really done a great job of really selling the time difference in terms of the 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 length of time between when we last saw Picard to where he is now Uh, I mean Patrick Stewart is always gonna knock it out of the park with the acting Jerry Ryan in this last episode, now there's there's articles saying how uh, she was hard for her to get back into her voice as a different character, um, well, as, as a very changed character, I should say. And she did great, um, yeah, very intriguing, very believable acting, very believable writing all, all across the board. Um, it's definitely... Definitely more enjoyable, definitely more. It's it's truer to what Star Trek is about. Or it feels it feels truer to the continuity, I should say, than Discovery Season 1 ever did. Truer to the continuity than what Enterprise really did, although Enterprise did end up doing all right in terms of continuity. Uh, but... Yeah, this one, it's definitely to have Patrick Stewart there. It plays on the nostalgia just enough, and that's the nice thing. It plays on just enough and then says, but doesn't leave you there. I can mention a, a, a recent movie with Star in it that plays on the nostalgia so much and just leaves you there, but I won't go there. Picard <laughs> uh, plays on the nostalgia just enough and then takes you into this new direction. So, I'm going to keep watching. I recommend you keep watching. Um, yeah, It's definitely... Yeah, Star Trek turning a corner. It's definitely back in a way that it wasn't for a while. Even during Enterprise, even Discovery Season 1, I think, is this coming back. The films were off in their own... Literally in their own timeline. Um, it, it's really... It's come home in a way that 
doesn't, you know, it's come home in a way that doesn't just simply repeat what does. It's actually, Picard is, is an active contributor to the family, as a show. It's an active contributor to the family. So, uh, as an adult coming home, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> it's the boomerang, maybe, I don't know. Whatever metaphor you want. I recommend you keep watching it. Uh, I'm going to keep watching every Thursday night. That's another funny thing. Tuning in Thursday nights. All right. <laughs> Back to the 90s, right? But uh, getting there as soon as, as possible to avoid spoilers and all that. Um, yeah. And um, I guess that's all I have to say about Picard halfway through. If I think of something, if I tweet it, I'll let you know at NUG485 to see all my setup here of my mug and my action figure and my enterprise. Uh, check me out on Instagram at MNUG1138. Uh, thanks for listening. Live long and prosper.